All right, guys, this is stacking dirty pennies here. We had a little bit of a dirty move at the end of that thing on Sunday night. Interested to hear y'all's opinion. We're going to get into a little bit of that. We're going to also going to talk to our good friend, AJ Almendanger, winning that dash for cash in Martinsville, trying to carry it over to win it at Talladega as well. We're heading to Dega this weekend where everything is on the table. Even I can get up there and win the race. Who knows? And we're also going to reveal, guys, my throwback scheme. Those of you who are listening, we're going to give you a little backstory on what my throwback scheme is because obviously you can't see it. But you just check social media and it'll be on there. And then spare change, tune in on Sunday. We'll drop a little something special, special for you. So let's get right to it. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking packs. Easter weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm still cleaning dust and dirt from every orifice of my body. Q-tips don't lie, but I feel like I got sandpaper in my eye uh, still. I've had a bottle of clear eyes in my pocket the entire time because my visor was dusty and I couldn't quite clean it. So I had to run like the last half of the race with it up. I mean, like a true ooh, dirt rookie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what did your face look like at the end, uh, like with the dirt hitting the... Well, you've seen that picture with William Byron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chasm yeah. had his profile. That's what I looked like. Nice. Yeah. How but, much dirt was in your hair when you took off your helmet? Did it like dude, shake it out? was like, no, it was like crusty. Like the Ugh. bottom of my the bottom of my helmet was like crusty from like just dust inside of it. Uh, I'm sure, but the fans as well were probably covering some dirt as well because, well, they, hey, they even got some, they got some great finishes for the oh, truck yeah. race. As well as the Cup Series race, we'll get right into it. Dusty Rhodes. Mr. Bud Light Ben Rhodes himself gets the dub. Took Swept the weekend, actually. Swept all the stages, all three. Looked super good. He actually had a little bit of mis- miscommunication, missed pit road. They wanted a pit, stayed out, or pit on the wrong side. So he actually had a little bit of adversity. He drove to the front. Uh, what was your takeaway from the truck race, Chuck? Uh, my takeaway is uh, it was a real sticky situation. Uh between uh Mad to Bendetto and Austin yeah, Wayne yeah. That I mean that's that's the thing that stood out to me. When you think you have seen everything in this sport, something else comes along and is like, dude, now I've seen it all. Him and I were texting, him being Ryan Flores, front tire changer and pit road boats and woes analyst. I actually didn't introduce you as well. I'm Mr. Chuck Bush. He's Chuck Bush and Mr. Jonathan Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Merriman is out this week. I don't know where he's at. He's don't repairing really care. his refrigerator. To make but, sure that he can generate more ice cold takes. I love that. Yeah. I actually was buying what you were selling. I actually thought he was repairing his refrigerator. <laughs> he, could free on, he could be. He could be. Charging it up. <laughs> charging up <laughs> his refrigerator. But he's not with us today. So we, us three, the three Migos, and AJ Almendinger here shortly will join the show and carry us to the homeland. We got to really bear down on this one, boys, because as when we release this throwback paint scheme, people are going to be tuning in. So we have to hit it good up front. Yeah. So don't mess this up. Hey, man. I'm. I'm here for you. Appreciate that. I, you, you, I, you got to partake. You weren't even there. I wasn't there. Track. I was watching. I was just hanging out. Must be nice to be a race off. fan. I don't know, man. I don't know how good I do watching. I'm a competitor. I want to be there and in it. But watching that truck race was impressive to see how much better the 99 truck and Ben Rhodes were in that whole race. And then be able to drive up there when it was a track position race. I really thought Logano was going to run away with it. He won his heat race and you know, he looked pretty good, but. Golly, I can't believe how much better they were than everybody else. Man, all of Thor's sport trucks were strong. Looked like Ty Majeski was going to be in contention there for a little bit, but Ben Rhodes, man, he uh, he put a slide job on a couple guys to get to the lead and drove off into the sunset. Hey, shout out to Buddy Kofoy, too. First timer. He was in big, position. He was in the top three. Good job. Ben slid him, and he tried tugging it down the hill and came around with him. So Buddy Kofoy is a dirt prodigy. He's in that TRD development and – they're going to be pushing him along. So, Buddy Kofor, it's a name to be on your radar for the next couple of years. Now, I won't say that uh, – I won't take full credit for this. Matt Stricker, you know, helped out last year when Joey won. You know, Joey did that thing where he stuck the sword into the dirt, you know, mm. conquering the dirt. Did you see the video of Ben Rhodes doing it? No. He added some flair to oh, it yeah. and did like the – he spun the sword a couple of times and then slammed it into the dirt. Like, mm. I claimed it. If I wasn't – like, if I didn't know any better and I just tuned in – I would think Ben Rhodes was Brad Keselowski's little brother. They're very, very similar. I I could see, I see that. that. I feel like Ben is a little bit 
less goofy. No, he's no? as goofy. I mean, I know he, he is. is yeah, I know he is goofy, but there's like a different type of goofy. Especially when it's block, all content gets to be about yeah. Uh, wow, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point ten somewhere in there. Beer Brothers, yes. Oh, that is. Like, <laughs> they are definitely uh, related when it comes to alcohol after a championship. Well, and they all had their first beer on national yeah, television, yeah. so that was nice to watch. Yeah. The only difference right now is that Brad's in, in you know, to the dad age. Yeah. But if they were the same age, it'd be very close. And the only really substantial thing besides Ben Rhodes putting a whooping on the field was I've never seen two trucks or two cars get hooked together like that before. I've like. It looked like at first they could not get them apart. They were just like pissed off at each other, right? Yeah, I thought at first I'm like, why is Matt brake checking yeah. the 22? But they were legitimately stuck, and yeah. Matt's tires were not on the ground. Well, and then when the tow truck tried to, oh, he, they, they completely yeah. annihilated that thing. <laughs> They're like, dude, just stop, so, dude. It was like a good 20 minutes where I was sitting up in a, a suite, and I'm like, dude, these guys generally don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know if I'd know what to do either if I was down there. When I saw the saw come out. Little skill saw. I was like, that, yes, that needed yeah, to that. be like, you got to do that. Start yeah. cutting something up. All right. Sunday, boys, Easter Sunday. Let's just give a little shout out to Marcus Smith and the SMI team for putting together an awesome Easter Day experience with Chris Tomlin and a church service there that a lot of people came. There was about 7,500, 8,000 people outside uh, partaking in that. So that was pretty cool. They broadcasted it live on television. Kelly and the, the kiddo, unfortunately, could not make it, so I was solo this weekend, but that was pretty cool uh, for those guys to put on a really cool ter- uh, service for us competitors as well as the fans. Now, I'll be honest. I was a little bit of against. I was a little against the Easter race, a little bit, uh, you know, sad a bit because I yeah. knew that and Joey Logano said it on Sirius earlier today. It's one thing for the drivers to be able to bring their kids. They got the bus and they can do all this, but the crew guys are the ones that can't do it. So those are the ones you really feel for. Guys in the media such as yourself can't hang out with your family. What's your opinion on that, Chuck? My opinion is probably not the same as a lot of people. I, When I got out of college, I worked in news. And when you work in news, you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you're not constantly working. But working holidays is part of it. And in sports, we're the entertainment, right? So NFL has Thanksgiving. College has New Year's Day, right? NBA NBA has got Christmas Day. Or Christmas, rather, yeah. The playoffs are starting in Easter, too. So, like, you've got sports on these days where people are hanging out with their families. And that's the important thing behind it is that the people that we're putting this show on for are hanging out with their their families. So, like, the ratings on TV are up. Reflected it because people are hanging out and watching. Glad you said that because that, at the end of the day, and on the horizon – the TV numbers are all that matters. Four and a half million people tuned in uniquely to watch that race on Sunday night, which by all metrics is a huge success. I believe we're up 17% over the course of the entire year. That is huge and for the sport on the as a new TV deal is on the horizon. You're going up against, like I said, NBA playoffs, a full slate of Major League Baseball games, and NHL hockey. Like yeah. There was a lot going on on a Sunday afternoon, evening. And we did really well. And the product on the track reflected that. Here's a question for you. Do you think that of all those viewers, what was the percentage of people that tuned in specifically to watch the dirt race or tuned in just because they got done eating their their big old ham dinner and they're kind of full and they're sitting on their couch with their family, flipping through the channels, nothing to watch except NASCAR race? Uh, I think it's hard to you know put your finger on that, but... On Easter Sunday, when you're done eating dinner and everybody's hanging out, you want something to do. Yeah. Right. And and if you are not really an NBA fan or a Miami Heat fan or a certain your certain team isn't playing, like I'm, I'll tune in if it's the Hornets, but I'm really not going to watch anybody else. But you know, NASCAR race gives you a lot to cheer for. Like Logano said, this he said, there's 40 teams racing. You got a lot to pick from, and the dirt is something different. So you you know, and it happens once a year. So when something like that happens once a year, it's an event. And you want to watch the event. It's like watching, you know, maybe not as prestigious as like a Monaco or a Daytona 500, but it's different and you want to watch it. So like, same thing we did with the Roval. The Winter Classic in hockey, right? Yep. It's a unique experience. Uh, same thing with dirt. And I would add this to what you said. Does it matter how, no. they, how they got there? No. Because what happened at the end is you had a hell of a finish. It's like the 79 Daytona 500, right? There was a snowstorm yeah. in the Northeast. Millions of people tuned in. And got a thrilling finish and a fight. We got a thrilling finish here, but no fight. Yeah, they laughed. Yeah, we had a laugh fest. But you know what? It was still a thrilling finish. 
I was standing in turn four and I was like, oh, wait, that's that's Reddick down there. He shouldn't be there. It like took me a minute to process what the hell happened. Mm. You know, it would have been better is if Reddick just drove up back on the track and Kyle Busch hit him and they crashed across the line. I, I was looking at that. Like, why didn't he just hang a right and just wad himself up for the end before they get that first point? What would have happened there? It. Like, I, could yeah. he have done it? Like the reaction, yeah. the, I, I guess the reaction time of that. I don't think, how I think quickly is still, Kyle coming? I think he was still trying to gather it up. He would have had to hook a hard right. Yeah. And it would have been like door. He wouldn't have been able to just merge in front of him. And that, that would also put Kyle really in harm's way because that would have been a huge crash. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he ain't lifting. No, he ain't lifting. And he would have drove that thing on the catch fence before he's lifting. So it's easy to Monday morning quarterback what he should or shouldn't have done. What was interesting was the interaction because we are so used to seeing drivers push and shove at the end of these races. We saw Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs throw some hands. We saw rewind to the fall race at Bristol with Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott arguing, cussing each other, pushing. We saw two guys racing hard for the win. Chase threw a desperate move, was not intentional to wreck them by no means. Uh, and then they go and they're kind of chummy and shake afterwards, which was a little bit interesting to me. Um, and I'm sure that Richard Childress and all those guys are working on the A car, probably a little more pissed off than Tyler was. So I'm not really sure what I think about that interaction. At the yeah. I think Dale Jr. tweeted about, you know, kind of how bad and how mad those guys were. And I think the thing that is lost and I, I tweeted back at him, like the thing that's lost in that is like, there's a lot of money on the line for crew guys, the way that your contract is structured. Right. And like the drivers are getting paid pretty well, but if you're getting, you know, a $2,000 bonus, or like I would say Randall Burnett has missed out, you know, that might be a $20,000 day or maybe even higher yeah. to, to win a cup race, the way his bonus is structured. And then that gives you a playoff berth plus five playoff points. So if it's weighted to how deep you go in the playoffs, I mean, you're losing out on a lot of points and they've missed out on a couple wins this year that Tyler probably should have won. Tyler is the type of person where he, you know, we've seen Tyler punch people, punch somebody in the face on pit road before. He's, he he uh, can be fiery. Yeah. I think they got in a, you know, a fight, but he's also very hard on himself. Like he said, I shouldn't have let him get to me. He didn't miss it a couple times. And even getting in there to three on the last lap, he kind of drove in shallow and through the black. But, man, I the more more I look at it, I don't know where Chase thought he was going. Obviously, it looked like it was going to kind of slide up straight like they do with the sprint cars when they kind of slide themselves and it lost all the right rear grip it had and just spun. But, man, when Chase gets in those weird positions like he was with Denny at Indy, he kind of gets that little bit of like a, awkward smile laugh like i think it's his way of like when he's nervous maybe he gets like a nervous chuckle but it was weird to me that he was kind of chuckling when i I saw him walking the entire length of the road to go down there and and talk to him because like i'm gonna go see all right is he heated is he like what's gonna happen here and he said definitely in the wrong well no and he 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 said right as soon as he got out of the car on prn is like that was my fault i take uh you know i feel bad for for tyler and he goes over there and he apologizes i mean he knew that he screwed up and in his case he's already got the win tyler doesn't tyler's finished second so many times like he knows that tyler could potentially be extremely heated yeah so like for him to go over there like to me like you, you know you you could get punched in the face if you walk over. He said, "If I get punched in the face, I get punched in the face. I deserve it. I'm, but I got to go over there and say sorry." And that that to me is good sportsmanship. Like I'm gonna, I I, I screwed up. And I'm gonna take my beating. How much do you think? Because we had the direct comparison between two 18 year old kids throwing hands at Martinsville to two late 20 guys, both with kids. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Does it have something to do with that they were teammates at one point in time? That they yeah. that they're you know they're they know they're friends. Other. They've come up together, you know, and and that Chase Briscoe truly is like, and, and Tyler Reddick truly are like two of the nicest guys on pit road. They really are, and they're very approachable. They're very down to earth, you know. And you would you would say that maybe you know Ty and Sam aren't. When you brought up a good point earlier about dirt guys, when we were talking in the I didn't bring show. that up. Yeah, that that was Lagana that brought that up to me. We were talking today. He's like these dirt guys like. They don't get mad like like we do. He's like Chris Bell, Kyle Larson. Like they don't get mad. He's like me and Kyle Bush are like throwing hands. That's you true. can wreck these guys, and they're like, yeah, it's all good. Is there something to that with just the nature of dirt racing versus asphalt racing that it's a little bit less stable, and that you could get into somebody not necessarily meaning to get into them, and they kind of know that there's a give and a take there. 
Maybe so. I mean, maybe, you know, you get a guy like Kyle Busch who has 60 wins, been racing in the Cup Series since he's been 18, as has Joey, where you can throw – where Kyle Arsenal and Chris Bell, they're throwing sliders on guys 50 times a night. So it's nothing to get a right rear to a left front and be okay with it because you know you're going to be the one giving it on the other foot. So I, that's maybe. I don't know. Well, it's interesting it, if you watch these dirt races too, like if you are racing an asphalt race and you, it's pretty cut and dry, like if you take someone's lane away or you, you, know, you drive someone in the fence – those dirt guys, they put each other in bad positions all the time, sliding each other. They run each other in the infield when they're going to get slid. They slide themselves. So, they, yeah, they do a lot of stuff that is defensive, is way more defensive than would be accepted at, at a local short track or maybe on an asphalt track. They, they're putting each other in positions where they have to lift or they're going to wreck. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know kind of the culture difference there. Or maybe it's just that, you know, some of those guys where they're from, if they're a little more laid back or not. Well, we saw, obviously, the guys with some dirt experience find their way towards the front. The starting grid, top eight or so, top nine, have a lot of dirt experience with Cole and Chris Bell and Todd Reddick and Larson and on down the list. Even Justin Haley raced a dirt modified a couple weeks prior on the dirt of Bristol. So he's not a slouch either. And all those guys found their way. It's just a different style of racing, obviously. Uh, The amount of car control those guys have learned, how to read the dirt, where I feel like I'm a little bit reactive is to I see where guys go to get grip, and I'm like two or three corners behind to go get that area of grip. Where Larson sees where it develops and already is going in that direction before the track even swings because it's second nature to him. Uh, or how much you got to bend the car. We see sometimes if you watch Kyle Larson close, he'll be straight as an arrow trying to keep traction, and then sometimes he's the most bent car on the racetrack, just depending on what he wants to get out of his car, which is – Super fun to watch. Interesting, though, we have not seen Kyle Larson really fare well in the first two dirt races on the cup car. But he's, he used to look good out there. Oh, like, for I mean, sure. like, like that's the watching it and seeing those yeah. huge cars just get slung into the corner is it, there's nothing like it. It's, yeah. I know people are like, oh, we, you know, this dirt experiment, like it's done. It's like, it is fun to watch. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely fun to watch. But one thing that, that I took away from both races is, you know, both the guys, the, the guy who won the truck race and the guy who was, you know, had the best car in the in the cup race, both lost track position. The 14, you know, got a flat and they both came back to the field. They they noticed, but even Kyle Busch mentioned how good the 14 car was. So, you know, as a sport, we grow and, and the guys in the, you know, in the garage figure out how to make these cars better, the crew chiefs and the engineers. And to, to be able to have that, you, you think you're going dirt racing and just the best driver is going to win. But now the car is coming in a pretty big play here. Um, obviously, the truck guys have more experience with their stuff, being Eldora and Knoxville and all the stuff they've done. But I just I can't believe how good the race was. And, and you know, Tyler Reddick wasn't wrong when I went back and watched it. He missed it the last couple laps. Yeah. He got less aggressive and he was more he was more worried about, you know, not losing than he was about going and winning. He saw the 14 who Kyle Busch in his post-race interview said that that was the car he was looking at all weekend. That was the one that was the one to beat. They were the class of the field. And Reddick probably knew that too and sees that 14 gaining on him. Does he, you know, like, are you driving in your mirror at that point? Like, is you know how people say oh, you got to lose them before you can win them. Man, Tyler Reddick's lost a handful of them. I'm sure it's getting old for him by now. What was the stat? I mean, Daniel Hemrick was one of the more notorious guys in Xfinity car, finished second, I don't know, 10, 11 times before he got his first win. It's only going to be a matter of time until the eight car finds his way to victory lane, but you hate to lose him when you had it really 100 yards from the finish yeah. line. So that was tough to take. Uh, my day was bizarre. Uh, I hit everything but the damn Tennessee lottery, Chuck. My car, they must have built that thing like a tank because you see some guys get a little damage and break a suspension piece. I spun around like a top three times, got wheel-to-wheel contact. Luckily, it just, whatever, for whatever reason, I got three mulligans, and we were able to finish 19th. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I, when you when you spun the first time, you know, you're kind of in the scrum there, kind of split down from the 38, and you drive through. It's like you drive through a black patch and you hit ice. It is legitimately like driving on black ice, and you also can't see where you're going because on restarts, for whatever reason, it was super dusty. Uh, so the only person you could see was directly in front of you romped on her a little bit too much and uh, run out of talent that one time. And the second time I spun out, I think Bubba got in the fence and there was just cars everywhere. And next thing I know, I was backwards and spinning out. But luckily for us, our nation's guard Camaro stayed intact. The toe was a bit bent and it was driving kind of funky for the last 100 laps. But uh, we were able to beat some cars at the end there and snag a halfway decent finish to stop 
are bleeding because we've had a couple of tough weeks. Where was your wheel at? Like if it's 12 o'clock is straight where you start the race. Yeah. So you had the little marker on those MPI wheels. It's orange. So it starts at 12. And after some left front contact with Harrison Rhodes, after some right rear contact with Harvick, it was about at 830. And I was turning the wheel about three, four times on the straightaway and just like doing a big pitch into the corner and trying to keep the left front off the ground. So do you take your, like under caution, you pull over and take your wheel off and center it back up? Or? I did that on pit road. Did you? Yeah. During the break. Yeah. But. They got them. They got me tuned back up. It wasn't ideal, but you know we were fighting all day. A salvage, an okay finish. Uh, we painted another dirt old chuck. Do you see that? I did. I did. I saw it got it. destroyed. Yeah, well, it, it looked good for about forty-five minutes. Comedian John Chris, him and I have developed a pretty decent friendship. He was there. Is the smallest sponsor of all time. If anybody wants to go see that, you can go check out his Instagram. He we literally put it like a little tiny stamp size uh, sticker on our car. So that was some pretty funny content. I'm sure he's gonna drop a video. Uh, of that here soon. So were uh, you looking for the dirt? Like, as you're going through, are you like, oh, it's still there? I saw it. Oh, uh, there. A couple of Packer cars rolled over it, right? Yeah, so it messed yeah. it up. It was pretty nice though. Uh, compared to the dirtle or the turtle I did at the Roval, I'm starting to get pretty good at painting, you know, Donatello. Is Donatello? It's Raphael's Raphael. a red one. Yep. It's Raphael's a red one. So uh, that's my, that's my guy, ride or die. Try to spice it up a little bit. And you guys knew who had the dirtle power himself backed into a win. It's funny how stuff always comes back around. And Kyle Busch winning his 60th career win. When I saw that, I'm like, damn, Kyle's actually pretty good. <laughs> Contrary to what people <laughs> hey, might wait, think. Wait, wait, wait. People thought that he wasn't good going into this? I don't, it's been a little while since. Yeah. He's, like, I don't know. He had, he's had an off, I don't know, six, eight months. I know. He's good. Yes, he's good. <laughs> like, he's, he's he, wins, he wins one out of every 10 races that he races. And then he wins, but he's like, been well, in, he's been in position like he's been should have yeah. won Vegas got a caution at the end yes I am not discrediting the 18 by no means but Tyler Reddick had enough time to spin out grab three gears and still almost beat him those guys drove away and he was in position though no different than Alex Bowman has been in yeah, a oh yeah. couple of times he's oh backed yeah. into it so I wonder I wonder what the uh, the number is on what Kyle would consider backing into 60 because it's not probably very much. Probably very much. I mean, I think a win is a win, and you're going to take no like, doubt. Like, yeah, back into it, don't back into it. You got the win, um, and you're happy with that. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a debate of who should be in the Hall of Fame and who should not. So I sparked a debate via our group chat on where Kyle Busch currently ranks in the all-time greatest drivers. He's it's up like there. A, it's like LeBron MJ deal, but he's up there, dude. He's he's firmly in. The top the, seven. The tops, I would say, six or seven. Yeah, when, when, you, when you really you, break it down, it's... Yeah. Like, dude, I don't He's know. He's won like, 100 what, Xfinity Series races. And I guess like what, a million truck races. What's your metric for that? Like, what is your metric for what is a good NASCAR driver? Wins. Like, wins. Wins alone. Wins. And championships. It's the collective. Right. Wins, yeah. championships, years. Like, how many, how many years together you've put wins? And something else I put a lot of stock in is win ratio because you can look at Richard Petty's 200 wins, but he also raced 49 times a year for like 15 years. RP's win ratio is like 8.1. Jimmy Johnson's is not much, not much less than that in like 8.4. So for every eight races, Jimmy Johnson won all 84. What are you looking up there, Chuck? Just getting my stats so I can see where the... I've got them right here, yeah. right up top. Right? All the stats you need right here. He's, he's been doing that. That's fine. I'm just making sure that... I was rifling through some racing he, reference last night. So you also had a, an earlier run at it on SiriusXM, right? We weren't talking about all-time greatest. Okay. I wanted to save the good stuff for you listeners hey, I and stacking pennies. I don't want to burn it all up because I currently put Kyle Busch about fifth on the all-time greatest drivers. Oh, yeah. So is it is it above Jeff Gordon? Like that's what I wrestle with. He's right there around Jeff Gordon, I think. No, he, he's below I Jeff think, Gordon. I think in terms of stats, Jeff has the the nod. But you also have to factor in. I don't like to say this because it's a little bit contradictory to what I just said. The impact that Jeff Gordon had. He kind of transitioned the sport from being a regional sport into a national sport. I had a big hand oh, in that. Yeah. So. Give credit where credit's due slightly, but I don't want to factor that in too much because I think that's more of a Hall of Fame metric right. as more of it's an all-time greatest driver metric. Tough part is, man, you look at Kyle Busch's cup stats are like really impressive. Then you look at the other two series and it's like, oh my God. Yes. Like no question. 
Well, and if you compare, like, okay, so you take Richard Petty's, and this is the argument that everybody's had. You take his 200 wins. Yep. And you look at how often they were running and the field sizes. That is comparable, in my opinion, to Kyle's Xfinity and truck wins. Because you're you're looking at the number of races run, right? If you were to take that metric, yep. combine all three of the race, the series that he's running at the top three. I agree with I I un, I see the point you're trying to I make. I do not agree with it. It's not the Cup Series because the Cup what, Series, even in 1968, was still the Cup Series. Was 19, what was it? In 1968, what, what was the Truck Series? Do they like? count Richard Petty's convertible series races? But what I'm saying is, code? like Richard uh, Petty at Weaverville on a Thursday night, is that the same as the Daytona 500? No, but is the Bristol, is the Bristol dirt, dirt race, race the same as the same day? Day? Yeah. Right. The field that ran in the 500 is pretty much the same field that ran Sunday night at Bristol, right? With a few exceptions. Here's the one. The not- field is different for some of those races that Petty, he wasn't always going up against Pearson week in and week out. Well, David Pearson, my number one all-time greatest drivers for win ratio, and he ran three full-time seasons and won the championship at all three. Here's my only knock against RP the King himself. He went eight years winless at the end of his career. I don't ever see a world in NASCAR where Kyle Busch goes winless for eight years straight. That's why you said like Jimmy Johnson went a year. And was 16 like, months. 16 yeah. months. I'm like, okay, moving on. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go. Now, if Jimmy Johnson wins the Indy 500, he's the best race car driver ever lived. Right. Well, don't, don't Jimmy add. Johnson, <laughs> in my opinion, is the top of Everest I, to me. I, just I, yes. because what he's done for the sport, how he car- carries himself, what he can do in the race car. And outside as well. Let me give you something here. Give me something. I've been studying a lot of 18 pit crew, Phil. Uh-huh. Right? They're very good right now. They do All their guys do a lot of stuff really well. Kyle Busch doesn't use, and you can bleep this out if you want, a f- pit sign. He doesn't use a pit sign. What? The guy stops on the mark and doesn't use a pit sign, bro. Nothing. He has a piece of three-inch tape on the ground, like a wheel chalk and he's that he aims for. Can you, could you, no. do you know anybody that could do that? I have a pit sign and I wipe the thing like, out every time. That is the, that is like stuff that you're like, okay, this guy's pretty freaking good at every aspect of this. And I'm not arguing that he is not in that top five all time. Like, I think he is up there and when he is done, we will look back and be thankful that we got to watch him race. For sure. Yeah. The thing that sucks for his like championship stats, right? Is who else was he racing against in the early part of his career? Who? Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, oh yeah. Like everybody. Everybody. We we were spoiled. Still are spoiled. Tony Stewart. Like that era, like th- these eras of this sport and we're entering a new one where we'll, you know, who's the next Jimmy Johnson? Is that guy racing already? Is that there, William Byron? There's not another one. There hey, William Byron was giving off some Jimmy Johnson vibes in his in his media center presser, but we'll talk about that another day. Super confident right now yeah. William Byron is and he's pretty focused. Let's get this thing somewhat back on the rails. One last thing. So I'm gonna, I went back at the group chat and looked at Merriman's top five. And we'll just go ahead and give him. Yeah. I don't want to deprive all the listeners of his ice cold Blue Mountain takes, but him and I agree on one thing. Number one, David Pearson. And he says two, three, and four can go in any order. Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson, quotations. Probably second, Jimmy Johnson. Five, Smoke. Six, Jeff Gordon. Seven, Kyle Busch. I could argue Kyle Busch over Tony Stewart. Yeah. I could argue that. I, I could. Yeah, I could argue that. He's got one more championship. Tony, though, like the uh, the argument for Tony is that he has championships in other series, like when it comes to a racer. Oh, for sure. He's he's certainly well-rounded, right? right. With Yeah, but Kyle, but you got to think, dude. He raced, he raced different stuff. Kyle Busch yeah. has been racing cup cars since he was 18 years old. And, and Kyle, like, you know, everybody was like, oh, he's not a dirt guy, not a dirt guy. He put out on, it's like, he's he's been running on dirt and he's been working with Brexton on dirt. So like he has learned, I mean, the stuff that he goes and runs though, like, yeah, Tony goes and runs fun stuff yeah. like world Atlas stuff. Like, yeah, but Tony never won the snowball derby. Right. Or the all American 400. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, Kyle's reach when, when you go to short track stuff, what he does, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I think Kyle Bush is the greatest. You think he is number one. When it comes to making all time cringeworthy TikToks, <laughs> he's at the top of the board. <laughs> it's oof. Yeah. Did you see that? I, Tried not to. I send it to I send it to no less than fifteen of my friends. Yeah. What what if we did that? You and I like. What if I was in the background like shirt <laughs> off, dude? What let's make that? one. No. Maybe that'll make me a better race car driver. I don't. Know. Do you have to make cringeworthy TikToks I don't, I don't to be, be a, a better driver? No. If you win your sixtieth cup race, I'll take my shirt off and back your TikTok and dance around. 
No, you will not. Yeah, if you win 60. Yeah. I don't care what what amount of alcohol is consumed at dinner. There is never a TikTok being made on my phone like that. <sighs> I would say never say never. But he's but... a top of the board. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> That, yeah. That's what puts him back below Tony Stewart on all. <laughs> Tony okay. Stewart though had the what Chiquita banana. Yeah, 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 Tony yeah, can yeah, get yeah, weird, yeah. but like man, that's pretty consistent with Kyle right now. Tony out there on his farm with a flamethrower and a pig, you know. I mean, that's just <laughs> offsets the wish to dress up like a chick. <laughs> but all right, now we're really off the rails, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Pit yeah. Road Boats and Woes coming back after this. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, pit road, boats and woes time with my good friend Ryan Flores, who was not at the dirt race because they did not need your services. Listen, I went once last year. We won the race. I'm not going back. One and done. One and done. I don't look. I'm, nothing else to prove there. I got the sword at the house. Done. Did, did they give you guys like an off week for practice? Or did they, they make we, did, practice? we did take a week off last week after dark, after uh, Martinsville, which was, which was much needed. I didn't realize I needed that much of a week off until I went back today, and I felt pretty good. Did you? Yeah, I felt pretty good. So we went in yesterday, watched some film, got a little better, worked on some uh, worked on some stuff today, worked on some of that new Gibbs choreography, mm. and uh, yeah, feeling pretty good. Now, was that the first time working on it? Uh, I mean, we've been watching it, working through it, just trying to figure out. You know, you don't want to rush into new stuff like that. But yeah, I can't give away too much. But So we're nine races into the year, eight of which have had live pit stops, all of which, uh, except for the dirt race, obviously, are live stops. Is there more or less or comparable wear and tear in the body this early in the year? I feel like uh, it was a little bit more because we hadn't taken off. We usually get, you know, at the end of the year, you know, I don't see the inside of the facility until the beginning of January. You know, all of November, all of December, we were in there grinding. So we didn't take as much time off. But, but yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a much needed week off and feel good to get back after what do we got like 20 straight here or something coming up how many it's a lot well we got the uh we got that off weekend in june but it is a lot uh between now and then and towards the end of the year to finish this thing out the cream on pit road is starting to rise to the top a bit so what does the mechanic impact score say who the best so far is on pit road? yeah so since we're nine races in we'll call that the end of the first quarter so we'll break the season down in the first quarter second quarter third quarter and then the fourth quarter is one that's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars that's your uh that's your mechanics wear MVP pit crew of the year. But right now, the top five looks like this. The nine car, Chase Elliott and the boys. Top of the board. Fifth. Okay. We're going five to one. Okay. Uh, one of the biggest gainers the last couple of weeks, and the, a team that has been P1 on pit road two of the last three weeks, the 11 car. Team that's really coming in their own. They probably have the best tire changer on pit road right now, Michael Hicks, on the back of that thing. Uh, and they're a really strong team. The three car, get your tickets, Paul Swan and the boys. Oh, three, yeah, whoa. up there. Welcome, fresh haircuts, gold chains, fast pit stops. <laughs> so, uh, so they're doing pretty good. Number two, who I think is probably the hottest team on pit road right now as far as speed, is the eighteen car. They're closing in uh, pretty considerably on our number one pit crew for the year so far. Still holding on to that top spot is the one car, Trackhouse Racing and Ross Chastain and the boys. Our buddy Shane, they're jacking that. They're, uh, they're a strong team. They fired off very well, but it looks like the 18 and 11, since they've been able to switch their new choreography, 
have separated themselves a little bit from the field. And as uh, more data comes in, we get more races where, where pit stops matter. Uh, I think that they could, uh, they could see themselves here in this next quarter, bump themselves up to one and two. So does a team Penske on like, do they roll out when you guys figure out the new choreography or if you figure it out, do you have, is it like a, all four teams uh, roll it out at once or is it this team can do it? This team can't not comfortable with it yet and do it one at a time. The biggest thing in racing, as you know, is winning with what you have right now, right? Just because something's better for another group, you don't just jump in and do it. If your team can't do it well and they can execute the other choreography better and give yourself a better chance to win, then that's what you're going to do. Now, if you have people that just can't do it and, and it is faster, you're going to find people that can. So being adaptable and, and being able to go back and forth, you know, those guys go back and forth depending on where cars are around them, the situation, if they're going to make... Um, they're going to make adjustments or not. And you look at some of the stuff that those guys are doing, obviously the choreography is helping them, but they gave away the whole season last year doing five lug nuts. And they've been practicing this since the beginning of last year where, where most teams have been practicing it since, you know, the beginning of, of December, these guys have, have probably, you know, a thousand exchanges on the rest of the field. So it is, it is showing um, that they are starting to, to the rise of the top of the field, especially, you know, the 11 and the 18. So we're going to Talladega this week. And you say it all the time, a pit crew can maybe not necessarily win you a race, but it definitely can cost you a race. And I feel like Talladega is a spot where a couple of things factor in to what can lose you a race potentially. Speeding on pit road, mistakes always happen under green flag stops. Also, pit box selection is pretty key there. So where is the ideal spot to pick on pit road at Talladega? Man, I like being down as far as you can. I like being down towards turn uh, turn one as far as you can. Uh, Really anywhere with an opening, um, especially an opening like out, I like because you can get blocked in pretty uh, easily there with everybody being on the lead lap, especially the first couple cycles and being on different, being on different strategies. If you come in and you're in pit stall 43 and you do two tires, when you're leaving, there's still cars coming in. So you get bottled up. So I don't love being down there. There are people that, that like that spot and it is really sketchy being down there when green flags stop, start happening and those guys start spinning. One thing you know, like we, we see the guys, we always see a little bit of a wreck there getting a pit road if someone spins or they start wadding them up. Um, with Blaney there, when we won, we won maybe two years ago with Blaney and he spun out getting the pit road, the first pit stop. So awareness is really big. Even if you're calling two tires, you have to be ready to put four on it at all times. If they slide them getting the pit road or if they spin out or they have contact. So really being prepared for anything, having the bear bond out, ready ready to, to service this car and whatever it needs is going to be really important. Mm, you never know what can happen at Talladega because they sell the entire seat and they only make you use the edge, Chuck. Well, there you have it. Pit Road Boats and Woes going into Talladega this week. Let's preview a little bit of Talladega stuff right after this. All right, we're back. Headed down to Talladega Boulevard this weekend, Chuck. One of my favorite racetracks to go to to race because it gives – our team an opportunity potentially to throw a Hail Mary and punch our ticket into the playoffs. Who knows? But I got a pick for you. Oh, oh. I think. Okay. I think Bradley. I think Bradley's going to do it. Mm. Bradley Kozlowski? Bradley Kozlowski. I think he needs it. Real deep in points after that penalty. He's going to be super aggressive like he was at Daytona, but even more so now because he needs that win. He is the second leading driver at Tal for Talladega wins behind one other person. Who would that be? Senior. Of course it's senior. Because he can see the wind. What Kez can uh, see the wind? He obviously can <laughs> see a little bit of it because he won six times. That's fair. You defending don't back in race you don't back in well defending race winner of the spring race, correct? This race, yeah. Bubba Wallace won the rain shortened race in the fall. Uh but yes, he is no stranger to victory lane and he needs it and is as desperate as ever. So I think Brad puts himself in position to steal one here going in. Is it a steal, though? No. Because, I mean— Well, even, I think everybody steals it when you go there. Right. But, I mean, even if you if you look at, at Roush now, Roush, Finway, Kozlowski, Stenhouse got some wins there for them. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, they are good, have been good at that track and on the, the super feedways. So, it would not be unheard of. Like, I wouldn't consider— him to be someone to steal it, I would consider him to be a favorite. Fair enough. I feel like any speedway race, you feel like you steal. Yeah. 
I mean, I get what you, yeah. Yeah, yeah because the, yeah. the pass is made in the trial or like coming to the checkered, right? It's rarely somebody leads and controls the lane and can block and find themselves towards the front at the end. Uh, but it's not coincidence that we see Fords be dominant. They've won 10 out of the last 13 Dega starts because they really harp on OEM cooperation. Uh, whether you're Blue Oval, you do not push a bow tie. You do not push a Toyota. They stick together. They marry themselves to each other, and they also have strength in numbers. I believe they probably have 15 to 16 really good cars um, that they're bringing a, a Talladega winner back to drive Rick Ware's car to 15, David Reagan's back. So he obviously knows what he's doing. So that adds another car to the Ford pack to keep those guys in position, keep the lane strong. Uh, that's where I think the other two manufacturers, Toyota has less cars overall, even if they marry themselves to each other. They still don't have the strength in numbers. And Chevy, everybody's kind of on their own program. It's just like Hendricks got their deal. Trackhouse has got their deal. Uh, RCR has got their deal. And there's really not a whole lot of cooperation. But um, hopefully the old seven car could find its way to the front just who, by hitching up, hitching my wagon to anybody. Who won the last super speedway race? Bubba Wallace. Toyota. No, who won the last super speedway race? Oh, Austin Sendrick. I don't know. Will Byron, if you go to Atlanta. Uh, See what he did there. Oh, yeah, that's a trick question. As soon as who won the last was like, I think I know where you're going. That was a trick question. I don't. Why you got to wrap me up like that? He got you in the big one. That's what I'm trying to think. Like, I was like, who won? Who won Atlanta? I think Will Byron. You know, I I always think the Fords are really strong, but I I think passing is going to be more at a premium here than it was at Atlanta. I think Atlanta was probably a little bit tougher to pass. Yes, but it wasn't a middle lane at Atlanta. It's hard to build runs, you know, but they also finished three wide at Daytona. So my favorite finish that I have seen in person was at Talladega. Maybe one of the favorites. Is that because Ryan won? No, 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 no. Three by three to the line. Johnson. Oh, the the tandem. Yeah, Yeah. which was 10 years ago this week. Bro, I love the tweet. Did you see the little... uh, the, the Dale Jr. Yeah, that was great stuff. Like, like he said, you owe, like what you owe was me it? a you owe me a bottle of Schlitz. Yeah, yeah. Or and then J- uh, Jimmy so, sends an entire trailer keg with truck, keg truck <laughs> yes. of Schlitz. What a Jimmy Johnson thing to do! I got to chop up with Jimmy, Jimmy a little bit this week, catch up a little bit, check on his hand. He's doing well, um, having fun as always. He's he's fucking great. How is his hand? He said it's surprisingly stronger. Uh, after surgery with the yeah. pin and rod in it than it was when it was broken. It's got titanium, man. It's got to be stronger. Well, I mean, he's got titanium coursing through his veins. What was it? Superman. What was it that he says all the time that his dad said to him, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Yeah. yeah. And I mean. My man's tough. Yeah. But also, Jimmy Johnson ain't dumb. No. Yeah, no, dumb moments. <laughs> but don't, don't we, we all? all. Yes, don't, we do. We don't do. we all? Somebody else who hasn't had a dumb moment lately, my man cashed a $100,000 check a couple weeks ago. A.J. Almendinger trying to make it two for two dash for cash races. Coming right up. Stand by. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
All right, guys, I am joined by Mr. North Carolina himself, Dash for Cash from Martinsville winner, AJ Almendinger. Welcome to Stacking Pennies. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I, I, I was just, I'm trying to be like you with the Dash for Cash, just trying to stack a lot of pennies. Bro, you stacked a lot of pennies uh, at Martinsville, and the story was kind of buried a bit over the entire dirt weekend. We had a lot of excitement there from the truck race and the cup race, but we're going to hash it back up this weekend at Talladega. You're trying to go two for two and grab 200 grand so how do you like your chances headed in here today well you know it's kind of funny if you look at my stats like at dega cup wise and i feel like xfinity wise it's jekyll and hyde i don't know why daytona i have great finishes all the time i've had a shot to win cup races there I've had a shot to win xfinity races there and then I go to Talladega. I've been upside down twice in cup. I broke the wall actually last year in the Xfinity race, literally broke it, hit it so hard. So, uh, you know, with college racing, we know that we're going to have really fast race cars when we show up there. Uh, ECR always brings a ton of horsepower to the super speedways and, and Chevrolet as a whole, I think uh, they just have fast race cars. So, you know, I, I like our chances when it comes to outright speed, but I mean, we know how these super speedways go. It's just kind of luck of the draw. It is, but Daytona and Talladega, you just mentioned it, are two very different racetracks. They look similar, and they're relatively the same in distance. Talladega's .166 longer than Daytona, but they drive completely different. So what is the difference, do you think, between Talladega and Daytona mostly? I just think it's the width of the racetrack. You know, I mean, you get out there and we see at Daytona, you can get three wide, and that's about it. As we've seen, four wide doesn't usually work or ever work there. So I think sometimes track position is more critical at Daytona because if you can get up front, it's a bit easier to block the lanes, especially if you kind of start getting two or three wide. Uh, so you have to be up front. So you can kind of dictate the race there a little bit easier. And that's something I feel like at College Racing, we've done a great job of uh, over really the four years that I've been here, you know, whether it was myself and Justin Ross or, or Jeb and, and Justin and I, and, and now with Daniel and Landon and I, you know, we can kind of dictate those races a bit better. Talladega, I mean, you get five wide. I mean, it's hard to block those lanes. It's hard to dictate the race. At any point, you can get shuffled to the back. And uh, I think that's why it's just so different and, and, and a bit more challenging at Talladega just because there's a lot that you can't dictate. There's, you're just you're kind of along for the ride, and you hope your lane moves and you're there at the right time. I don't know if it's a stack and pennies curse for the Dash for Cash winners, but Sam Mayer has been on the show. Ty Gibbs has been on the show, and now you. Are you going to carry on the tradition of punching somebody in the face if, if somebody takes money off your plate? Man, I, I don't I don't really – that's not my style. I don't need it to be. Um, you know, I mean, this face is too pretty. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I mean, it's it is. it's very pretty. Mrs. North Carolina doesn't want to get punched in the face. Uh, although, I love my wife, and she uh, takes boxing and karate classes. So, if a fight breaks out, I like my chances because she's going to step right in and start throwing blows. So, Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, any of you young guys that think they want to come after me, my wife will pretty much whoop your ass. Oh, my God. That's something you would never be able to live down. That's something you could <laughs> never live down. Have you ever been in like a, a – what's the most uh, pissed off you've been after a race? And have you been in like fisticuffs with anybody after a race? I've been, I mean, seriously mad after races. I think we've gotten close to, to you know, a little bit of shoving. But, you know, I try to be smarter about it. It's one of those things that – of course, it makes great TV, right? Like, you, you, we play it all up. NASCAR plays it up. We, you know, you see it in all the videos and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you, you still want to represent the, the people that, that you are representing the right way. And sometimes tempers take over. But uh, I try to, in the heat of the moment, as tough as it is, you kind of back down and say, okay, let, you know, let, let's let it simmer. We can talk about it later. You know, everybody's always – I always say it right. There's, we all know there's three points of views. It's his, truth. his, and then the truth, really. <laughs> like There's something in the middle of it. So I've uh, never went to that extreme. I have wanted to, but have never went to that extreme. Well, I'm going to go on a limb and say it was about four weeks ago when you really wanted to. So we're about a month removed from that code. It's super exciting finish between you, Alex Bowman, and Ross Chastain. So is it still as bitter today as it was maybe a day or two removed? Uh, I mean, it, it, it for sure, it, it 
hurts a little bit, uh, but no, not really. I mean, it, even at, at, at the end of it, you know, you're disappointed. Uh, I, I think I was disappointed for two reasons, because I felt like it was one of the best races I had driven. Uh, just smart. We had to start at the back, kind of methodically worked our way up there, used some strategy. The car was super fast. I was having a lot of fun driving it, and Ross and I were having a great battle. And as you said there, Alex got a part of that at the end. Uh, and I think I just would have loved to, even if you don't win the race, you have a great finish to, to show for it. And you can walk away saying, man, you know, what a great way to come to the line battling for the win. And, uh, you know, we finished second or we finished third. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're in this, in these races to win it. And we all know that if there's an opportunity to win it, you're going to do what it takes. And, uh, there was some stuff that had led up on, you know, previous restarts and things that, Ross had done that was frustrating to me, but you know, it's all part of going forward. He was trying to win his first race and yeah, you know, whether I like it or not, it doesn't change the result and, and you keep that in the back of your mind for the next time, but you know, animosity or things like that, you know, I'm, I'm too old to hold that. I've, I've, uh, I've let that go. Amen to that. So it, it seems like over there at College Grace, and you guys have a lot of good things going. You guys work hard, but you also play hard. I saw you guys go to TPC Sawgrass after your Dasher Cash win. Who's the better golfer in the group? I saw them give a participation trophy to Chris Rice, but we all know that he's not the best golfer in that group. No, uh, you know, if you go off of handicap and and is, let's be honest, as much as I play, I should be the best one there. You know, my golf game and I right now we're at, we. We have some difference of opinions. Uh, I'm not. I'm not quite happy with it. So Chris did win on handicap. He didn't win with the best score, but you know that's that's a part of the the system. When you play, you got to play the handicaps, and and he won outright. So, uh, but yeah, that that's a great thing about college racing as a whole, but especially Matt Collig and Chris Rice. The way they've taken me into this race team four years ago is is a guy that was running five or six races in one year to where we are now and, and all the, the great memories that we share on and off the racetrack. It is a lot of fun. Uh, it's intense at the racetrack. There's no doubt we show up to win. I'm probably more intense now than I've ever been because uh, it means that much. And I know that we have opportunities to win every week and that we show up, especially in the Xfinity series. So, but off the racetrack, it's a great time. Daniel Hemrick and Landon Castle have been a great addition to it. Uh, so we definitely enjoy it because that's what it's all about, right? I mean, we go to the racetrack. We do this every weekend. You get frustrated. You get stressed. Uh, you have the highs and the lows. Uh, but if you can't enjoy it off the racetrack, then there's no reason to do it. Well, it's evident that your intensity level is turned way up this year. You finished in the top 10 every single Xfinity race so far this year. That's an absurd stat. And I'm sure you're going to try to continue that here at Talladega this weekend. But what is the, I wanted to pick your brand. I talk about this with you often. What is the biggest difference with pressure or, I mean, fill in the blank between racing on Sunday full-time like you did for many years and then kind of stay, taking a half step back and racing full-time in Xfinity Series and dabbling in some part-time cup races? Yeah, I mean, I think the well, with COVID now, the, the schedule is all kind of the same. That was for sure the, the tough thing back in the day in the Cup Series, right? I mean, you show up on Thursday afternoon and you land at, Midnight, one in the morning, Monday, and you'd be back at meetings ready to go for the next week. Uh, it's hard when it's going well, let alone if you're struggling or you're trying to, to make your way to the top uh, and it doesn't go as well as you hope. I mean, it can just be an absolute drain on you. Uh, I think people saw it at times on me. Uh, I put all the pressure on myself like a lot of us do. So, you know, you go to the Xfinity series, you know, the competition level is still really high. The cars are a lot of fun to drive. Uh, but, you know, at Call of Racing, we, we have shots to win every weekend. And, yeah, your expectations change a bit. You know, Corey Wright, like we, uh, we've we all – you're in the situation now, and I, I have been many a times where, you know, you finish top 20, that's a win in the Cup Series on certain race teams. Uh, but in our heart, we know, like, okay, that's still not what we want. It's not – you don't want to celebrate 19th. Right. Uh, but, you know, on those teams, that's what you have to do sometimes. Uh, so, you know, going out there and, and working hard to go win races, winning races always helps. Uh, but it's also the, the, the people that you surround yourself with. And, uh, you know, I think I'm mentally different now because, yeah, I'm intense. I want to win. I'm passionate about it, probably more than I've ever been, as I said. But Matt and Chris, they let me be myself, the, the crazy person that I am, the highs and the lows. And it's enjoyable because of that. 
Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, what is the most embarrassed you've ever been at the racetrack? Oh, no doubt. That's easy. Detroit IndyCar, uh, 2013. I about win the Indy 500 the weekend before. Uh, leading the race, seat belts come undone. Uh, have a shot. I mean, biggest moment of my life to go win at Indy. And it, in a weird way, just gets taken away from me of something nobody's doing. They just, they came undone. We were able to get them built it back. Was it a cam lock or a latch? It was a latch, but like my hand, like people are like, well, your hands hit. I was like, no, my hands were, no, I mean, nowhere close to it. It was, it was just, I don't, it, you know, it's, it wasn't it's, meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. It, it's kind of a funny story, but it's it kind of, but so we go to the next weekend. I'm, I'm riding that high of man, had a shot to win Indy. I crashed uh, in practice, nicked the wall uh, in the first race, I tried to clear, like clear Bell Isle. I launched over Scott Dixon and nosed it in the fence. Bout broke my hand. It was a double race weekend. Sunday, I go down off the start, hit the bump. My hand is so sore. I don't catch the steering wheel and I crash again. So I literally had crashed like three times in 14 laps at Detroit. And that was, I, that was the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened all right so that kind of sounds a lot like jimmy johnson's long beach experience i exactly tell, thought of that tell the listeners a bit because i i i can't say because i've never driven an indy car obviously or been holding on to a wheel in one of those things when you're when you break your hand what kind of pain do you think jimmy was fighting there on a, on that long beach sunday it's not so much pain because i think the adrenaline takes over but it's the strength and and that's what happened so uh his basically what happened to jimmy was a the same thing that happened to me is when I launched over, over Scott Dixon, I didn't get, I got my hands off the steering wheel, but all it did was get, take a running start and slam my hand back into the steering wheel. When I hit the wall, uh, you know, Jimmy's was more kind of that reaction of where his thumb was still on the steering wheel. Uh, so the next day I went down in the corner and you hit a bump and I normally I'd catch it. Well, my hand wasn't strong enough. I didn't get it in time when I hit the wall. It, it's the same thing. When I saw what Jimmy went through at Long Beach, it immediately made me think of, I mean, because it was almost to the T of what happened at Detroit. So, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things that, I mean, the Indy car, any race car is tough to drive, but an Indy car on a street course is brutal to drive. And, you know, it, it's, you can pay the price pretty easy there. Well, that segues into my last question. Then I'll let you go. Question number two, if you had to pick one car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you take? Oh, that's that's a good question. It was for sure back in champ car days, my my 0506. So definitely the Forsyth car. Uh, that it was one of the best race cars I've ever driven in my life. I mean, we had so much success. We won five races out of nine. Could easily won seven. We DNF two others on a mechanical when leading. Racetrack has to be my home racetrack, Laguna Seca. I absolutely love that racetrack. The course grew is a corner that I would never get tired of in my life. It takes your breath away every time you go up to it and go down it. So uh, for sure, that would be my dream. Just sitting in that race car, driving that racetrack every day. Love that. Well, my friend, you're going to be driving an Xfinity car at Talladega searching for another 100 grand this week. So good luck with that. And thanks for jumping on here on Stag and Penny. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And there you heard it. Martinsville Dash for Cash winner going and looking to cash that big check from Talladega as well. So root for AJ, friend of Penny Stacker Nation this weekend in the Xfinity race. The Dinger at Dega. Ooh. Taking hashtag Dinger at Dega. And we're going to get into some hashtag Penny for your thoughts right now. So, Janie, what do we got? All right, Janie, we got some great questions this week and hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Fire away. Our first one comes from Jimmy, and he asks, Corey and Chuck, with Spire having a truck team now, will there be any truck races on the schedule for Corey this season? I'll field this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, uh, or I hope, rather. Uh, we're working on it. It still costs a healthy amount of money. It's about 75 to 80 grand to roll that truck out. Um, you know, Inspire Motorsports doesn't have a auxiliary budget like HendrickCars.com has to put their guys in a truck to get them some extra seat time. So we're working to try to sell it. Uh, but as of right now, there's nothing on the schedule. But who knows? Hopefully we can land something and get a race. That'd be fun because that thing runs good. 
Scott wants to know, with no inner liners and very little warning when a tire is going down, is there a case for NASCAR to implement tire pressure monitor system? To be fair, all road cars have them now. Interesting thought. I'm not sure what entails a tire pressure sensor. I wonder, you know, what changes it would have to accommodate for the wheel or Bluetooth, valve stems or whatever the the, the direction they would go. Uh, but that's something interesting. But by the time that sensor would pick up, it's got no air in the tire, you're already in the fence anyway. So uh, with the thinner profile sidewalls, um, there's no room for inner liners. So really and truly, the only issue is, is when you blow one or, or two or more tires, you can't roll. You just get high-sided or beached. Um, and I'm sure NASCAR is w- working through some things to adjust that. But we certainly will see some people beached this weekend with those low ride heights of Talladega, I believe. And if somebody gets out of shape or spun out, it is inevitable you will pop some tires there. So you just want to stay straight. You do not want to be backwards anywhere. But certainly this weekend at Talladega is not a somewhere you want to be backwards. And our last one comes from Race Course Stuff, and he says, Corey LaJoy, would you rather run 500 miles at Martinsville or Bristol or run 500 laps at Talladega or Daytona? Yeah, I thought I saw that question. It was really interesting because 500 miles at Martinsville would be 1,000 laps. Uh, I don't know who would make it. I mean, that would be that would be an endurance race of all endurance races. That would suck, so I would rather – 500 laps at Talladega because a lot of them are kind of just, we would, it wouldn't be the best race. 1,250 miles. It would, it's 2.66. Yeah, I'm not very good at math. 1,250 miles. A lot. <laughs> oh, 500 laps. 500 laps. Yes, yeah. right. So that is a lot, but unfortunately it wouldn't be like a race worth watching because we would all be content to just log laps and ride it around for six hours, you know, <laughs> up single file lane. Um, or I say that and dr- cup drivers are just dumb enough to ride three by three by three lap, you know, seven Jeez. like we normally do. So I don't know. I'm glad we'll never know because that would be a long day one or a super exhausting day. I feel like if 500 you laps did at- that three wide, like how exhausting is that just it? Like, bro, 400 mile race through three wide is a mentally taxing day. I think you'd need a co-driver like the Bathurst 1000. Not a Talladega. You'd, no, you'd- I'm saying that like. If you did, if like you did Mar- bro, Marginal. if you did 500 miles at Bristol, you might need three drivers. I mean, I'd co-drive with you. Come on, there wouldn't be nothing left when you got <laughs> back to it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, what's different than any other week? I drive that thing, but you used know. up the tires on it. But here's the keys. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's all I got. So I don't really know. Both of which would not be very enjoyable. I feel like 500 miles at Talladega and Daytona is the right amount, and 500 laps at Bristol and Martinsville is the right amount. Yeah. That's what I got. They doing something right. Who's the penny stacker of the week? Penny stacker of the week. I'm glad you reminded me because it is Courtney from Myrtle Beach. She drove to Bristol. I was out there signing. There's always a line of fans right before you walk into the tunnel there. Um, And I just love it when people mention they listen to Stack and Pennies. And that's turned into a thing like, hey, if you mention it and you catch me in the right mood, you are the penny stacker of the week. There was somebody else that said they came from North Dakota. I can't remember if it was Greg or Jeff. Or Bill, something else. John. Could be any of those names. Terry. But you, sir, if you're listening from North Dakota, I'm talking about you. But Courtney from Myrtle Beach, you are the Penny Stacker Week. Congratulations. And we appreciate your support. I'm over the riffraff. I'm ready to get right to the meat of this whole conversation, Chuck. And it is throwback time. Oh. Are you ready? Yeah. Can we can we drum roll, please? All right, guys. My throwback scheme for this year at Darlington on my number seven Chevy Camaro will be the Marty Robbins 64 Plymouth Belvedere 777 stacking pennies. Let's go Camaro. If you're listening, you obviously can't see it because it's an audio show, but they clipped it out for your viewing pleasure on NASCAR social. So go check it out. We even made it big time. Chuck stacking pennies is on the hood. They paid just enough to put their name on the cars. <laughs> it, she's a beaut. I'll tell you that. That's it looks some good. of the renderings. So we have a sick line of some merch, some very limited edition T-shirts and hats coming out. I will make sure to keep you one for Stack and Penny's merch, and I will keep you one too, as long as you go to CorleyJoyRacing.com/slash/merch and buy one. Uh, I, that has one of your name on it. So what was the inspiration to like go for the Marty? Because yeah, it's it's not like. 
I feel like didn't Stenhouse do it? Somebody did a Marty Robbins scheme. I think it was a 42, maybe Kyle Larson. Larson. It was. Yep. But it wasn't. It wasn't a stack and pennies car. It wasn't was a stack and pennies car, so it wasn't as good. Yes. Now, Marty Robbins. See, this is my thing about throwbacks. It's going to be the same number. Yeah. So, NASCAR got a little flexible with us. I love this new NASCAR. We're going to dirt. We're going to road courses. We're doing stuff we never did before. They're allowing me to run three numbers. Now, the seven, the first seven is a bit bigger, but the other two sevens, like Marty Robbins' paint scheme, a little bit smaller. Still looks, still looks sweet. My name's on the side. We swapped it out. Marty Robbins was a country artist. Let's oh, yeah. give a little backstory for those who don't know of Marty Robbins. There's a great Ryan McGee article to really fill in some context for if you want to listen to it. But it would be like saying the like today's Morgan Wallen or a super well-known country artist would race some Xfinity races and some cup races in his spare time. 16 number one hits in between. 1959 and, I don't know, mid-70s, all of his records, all 11 of them went gold or platinum. So my man was dealing See, I'd say back in the day. Like a George Strait, uh, Brad Paisley, like if they went and did- Thomas Rhett? Yeah. 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 Like somebody like that. So the the whole Marty Robbins story fascinates me because it's a great crossover between country music and NASCAR, and I don't think his story gets told enough, so it's cool to bring that story some light- at the throwback race this weekend because there's some people I'm going to bring back the stash too. You make the you make the movement. I'm yes. going to bring it. Yes. Um, my wife won't like me for about a week and a half, but you know what? It's worth it, babe. Marty Robbins had a hell of a mustache. Did I might zip the zip the fire suit down a little bit, show a little chest meat off. Mm-hmm. If y'all ain't seen it, y'all ain't seen it. I'm getting real Darlington on it. Go Google Marty Robbins NASCAR, and there's some exquisite photos of him next to his car. Some, you know, that 70s flair going on. Screaming sex appeal. Mm. A little backstory on that 777 Grand National car. Bobby Hamilton's dad, Preacher Hamilton, was the one that built that thing. Nashville native, legend in the area. Cuckoo Marlins buddy, I believe. Maybe they might have been arch enemies. Who knows? Who knows? Cuckoo Uh, and the Preacher. Cuckoo and the boys. Great show coming up on Fox. Man, just like the Alabama gang, there was a really solid Nashville click as well. So um, I don't like taking credit for things, but I'm going to take credit for this one. This was my idea. I fired it over to the team, and they were like, I don't know, like to see if NASCAR would approve of us running three numbers. Sure enough, shout out to NASCAR. They allowed it, uh, and we made a super cool scheme. And also, we weren't able to – well, we didn't have a sponsor to necessarily put on it. So we thought, hey, let's push the brand a little bit. Um, so it was really cool that Spire allowed me to stick slapping penny, <laughs> slap stacking pennies on the hood of that thing too. Yeah, I like slapping pennies. Slapping. <laughs> We're gonna just consummate the marriage at Darlington at the Lady yeah. in Black. <laughs> Can we not say that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's your show. Yeah, it's your, really you can say what you want. It might not be true, but you can say it. You know, Jeez, we are uh, we're getting a little crazy here, but we're gonna be doing a live show. Yeah, I mean, like Trackside Live, you got to be at the track. You got to be there to see that stuff. It's going to be a Stack and Pennies appearance. Yeah. Live appearance at the racetrack. It's not going to be for your. The only way you can listen to us ramble on about nothing is if you show up. And we're going to have some merch there for you, too, if you show up. You might even get a Stack and Pennies hat. Who knows? But you just got to be there. All right, guys. So make sure you go check out my throwback, Marty Robbins Scheme. This week, it is out. It looks killer. Spire Motorsports, Stack and Pennies. Fraternal Order of the Eagles making that 777 look money. So go check it out. Buy a shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Listen to Stack and Pennies. Do everything. Appreciate y'all.